Well, welcome again to the Clark Summit University Alumni and Friends podcast. I'm Paul Golden, and I'm joined by our uh, university president, Dr. Jim Lytle. Our special guest today is all the way from uh, Modesto, California. He is a 1988 graduate of uh, then BBC, now Clark Summit University, and it's Rob Saucer. Rob, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Paul and Jim. It's a pleasure and privilege to uh, join you guys this morning. Now, many years before I ever met you as a student here, I met your mom and dad. And of course, you know, they were alumni from the college from before I was ever around here. But let me tell you, knowing your mom and dad and the kind of people they were and the kind of ministry that they had was a great introduction to having you show up on campus, having you in my classes. I, I thought good things about you because your mom and dad before you ever came here. Oh, well, thank you. Sometimes that might be too dangerous, though, because being a preacher's kid, you know that what they say about preacher's kids are always in trouble. But uh, my actually, it started with my grandfather. Gordon Lewis was uh, one of the early graduates of the when it was Baptist Bible Seminary. Yes, he was. And my heritage of the school goes back uh, quite a long time. And it was almost like I was never given a choice to go anywhere else. So uh, it was probably for my own good, because it really did lay a good foundation in our life. And it's where I got to meet my bride. Rob, where were you in high school when you came to school? Yeah, dad had pastored a church in Camillus, which was a, a suburb of Syracuse and had a great ministry there. It was a couple hour drive from BBC. And I went to BBC with a mindset of trying to figure out what I was going to do in my life. And, you know, I came from a heritage where both grandparents were ministers. My dad was a minister. His two brothers were ministers. His sister was married to a music minister. I came from a very ministry-oriented family, and my mom's dad was a minister. Her two sisters were in ministry. And so that was what sort of launched me into going to BBC. And I had a great time. We participated in the soccer program, and that was a great opportunity. I had never played soccer before even going to the school, but really found it as a challenge to stretch myself. And it took me a few years to get the skill sets under my belt. You know, the, the friendships we, we made and the, uh, the foundational skills that were put in our life, I really am appreciative of what years was that 84 to 88 or 83 to 88? yeah okay it would have been i graduated high school in 84 so it would have been the fall of 84 and what were some professors that made an impact on you while you were on campus well of course i love jim lytle's classes he, he, they were always well, very well uh and, and engaging and and challenging. Frankly, one of the guys that really had an impact on my life was uh, Dr. Emmert. I remember one of the statements that he made has stuck with me throughout my life. And I can't remember the context of what he was preaching on, but I remember writing it down in my notes was the depth of your character is demonstrated by what you allow to stop you. And the premise was that God doesn't give you anything that you can't handle. You may not think you can handle it, but you're like a rubber band that you can be stretched and God knows just how far you can stretch it. And if you can trust that process and focus on building the character in your life, when the storms of life blow, you're not going to blow over. A tree with deep roots is going to stand the test of storms in its life. And that's what I sort of took away from that comment. It stuck with me throughout my entire career. 
Well, let me ask you a question that I'm curious about. I mean, talk about the decades of ministry and you know, all through your family and you know, people getting making their money by serving the Lord. And I was at the school back in the day, even before you were here, and there was a lot of pressure on our students to come here and go into vocational ministry. And I think there's a lot of pressure anyway. Now, what I discovered was tons of our graduates, you know, following Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and not winding up in a vocational ministry. But sometimes that wasn't our rhetoric. And I'm just kind of curious, Rob, uh, did you feel the pressure? If I'm here, I ought to pastor, or I'm a loser if I don't, anything like that? Oh, absolutely. I went through that process of, you know, you get out of college, now what? And I was trying to figure out how do I, uh, how do I make some money right away? And I'd had a great experience doing a internship in Rochester at a church there. But honestly, I just never felt a burning call in my heart that I needed to be in the ministry. And my dad gave me good counsel. He said, Rob, if there's anything you can do and know that you're where God wants you, then do it. Because if you do ministry for the wrong reason, you'll be mis miserable. And so are the people you're ministering to. I can tell you that I had some opinionated aunts that had served in Africa. They were my grandfather's sisters. So I can safely say this because they're no longer living, but they, they wrote me some pretty lengthy note uh, challenging me that I, I was wasting my life. And, and that's when I had a good conversation with my dad and dad said, we need good people in the pews as much as we do behind the pulpit. Mm -hmm. And I feel God's allowed us to do that over our life. And my wife and I sort of made our ministry through our kids. We have four kids and they were all very actively involved in sports. I coached youth football for 13 years. I've coached basketball, some soccer, baseball. And we have found that using athletics as a, a tool to, to reach kids that have no relationship with God has been a phenomenal opportunity for us. And we wanted to be the house that they hung out at and create an environment where being a Christian is a fun way to live. And I think we did that. At least that was our plan. And my wife is very gifted in the area of entertaining. She loves trying to put on a party for the kids. And we've had 15, 20 kids spend the night at our place numerous times. And, you know, you just have to grin and bear it because you hear noise throughout the night. But, you know, it's for a purpose. And it, it was a lot of fun. You mentioned Michelle, if I remember right, Michelle Francisco, you met here at uh, CSU. Tell us just briefly about your four sons, right? Three boys and a daughter. Okay. So I've got my oldest lives in Tulsa. He married a um, pre-med student who now is fin in her last year of uh, residency as a, as a doctor. He works for a telecommunications company there in Tulsa. They have one daughter who is a little princess. She's about two years old. And then my daughter just moved to Tulsa from Modesto with her husband, who she met at the University of Oklahoma. They live there in the South area of Tulsa. She's got two boys and is expecting a third in November. And they're all boys. Oh, by the way, my oldest is also expecting a second grandson or granddaughter in November. And then my mid middle son is married, living in Oklahoma City, and he actually married 
my oldest son's wife's sister. So we got two boys, two brothers married, two sisters, which was sort of cool. They're all living in Oklahoma. So that's why we decided that our role is we go by Mishi and Pops to the grandkids is to be able to have an influence in the family and be able to try to continue a heritage of keeping the family tight. And so we like to do what's called a Blue Bloods dinner. I don't know if you ever saw watch the show Blue Bloods, how they have dinner at the parents' house every Sunday. We try to do that once a week or once every two weeks and whoever can come comes and we just enjoy it as a great way of staying connected with everybody. And you can't do that 2000 miles away. You mentioned uh, your oldest son. We're into the NFL football season. If I remember right, your oldest son was roommates with uh, Landry Jones and a couple other NFL players. Yeah. Yeah. So he had a great opportunity to attend uh, Oklahoma University and was roommates with Landry Jones, Tressway, who is a punter, along with Lane Lane Johnson. Johnson. Lane Johnson. Yeah. He, uh, they were all his roommates in college. And so he didn't play college football, but he got to live it as close as he could. And my youngest just enrolled at OU for, uh, he he went to JC for two years. He was pursuing a uh, opportunity to play football in college and was really uh, growing in his skills as a quarterback. And with COVID, the backlog of kids has just created a tsunami of competition for that. And it was pretty interesting to see God work in his life because watching the kid dive in and work as hard as he did, I respected that because it takes a lot of discipline to do that. But it takes even more discipline to say, you know what, maybe this is God closing a chapter in my life and it's time to move on and be just a student and finish up. And so um, it was pretty ironic. We had him enrolled to go there. And literally he got two calls from two different programs. They were division two programs in the Southeast that saw his film and said, we'd love to have you here. If you can be here next week, we, we uh, like your style and all that. And he had the maturity to tell him, I think I've decided I'm just going to be a student. So I, you know, I was, I was proud of him for making that decision because it showed maturity and consistency And, you know, a lot of times kids can't get out of uh, their identity as an athlete and person's way deeper than what their athletic ability is. We're here with Rob Saucer, class of 1988 from Clark Summit University. Rob, you mentioned your boys and your your daughter. You you told me recently about an idea. I think it's a great idea of a booklet that you did for your kids. Can you explain more? We were in a unique situation where we had three of our kids graduating, one from high school and two from college, all at the same time. And my wife had asked me, what do we want to do for them for graduation? And I said, you know, we don't want to buy them something they've had more than they need. And it's just another something. It just wasn't what I was hoping to do. And I said, I got an idea I wanted to germinate on. And it was, I wanted to write a book to them that would be based on if I could go back to myself when I graduated and get the best advice from a much younger Rob Saucer of what would be the best advice I could give myself mm-hmm. based on my success and failure in life. What would the nuggets of truth be that I could give as a Cliff Notes book to my kids to focus on? 
my effort started about six months prior to graduation. And I did it on my phone with my note app. And I'd sit there and just ponder on a subject and write notes about it so that I could let it germinate and come back to it later to uh, provide some depth to it. I'm a real sophisticated writer, as you can tell. But the purpose of it was to really just give them the nuggets of things that they've probably heard a million times already, but put it in a little booklet, which I did on Shutterfly. And it was maybe a 30, 35 page book. And the emphasis was that at the end of the day, your decisions define who you are. So make great decisions in life. I positioned it that your life is like a book with many chapters and the quality of your, your chapters really hinge on the decisions you make in your life. Mm. And so I built that as the framework. And it's like up until this point in their life, I had been a shepherd of their decisions mm -hmm. and they'd had a pretty good life so far. Now I'm handing that baton off to them because as an adult, they're going to be responsible for that role as decision maker. I'm always available as an advisor, but it's their life, their, their decisions. So make great decisions. And then we took and we drilled down like the different facets of your life, your, your character development. I brought in Dr. Emmert's depth of your character demonstrates mm -hmm. is demonstrated by what you allow to stop you. And then we also, we took, the, took a look at finance, some of the best finance planning, how to use insurance, things of that nature. I mean, there, there was some good practical stuff in there. There was things about gaining perspective. A lot of times we're hit from all sides and we don't know what to do. How do you gain perspective in life? And there's a discipline when I was the president of a telecommunications company that we did often with product development. And it was, it was called doing a SWOT analysis. Um, you, you assess your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats and uh, that, are, that are being presented by the circumstances that you're in. Every strength is a potential weakness. Every weakness is a potential strength. Every opportunity has threats that you have to be mindful of. And by putting all this on paper, you get it out of the emotions because emotions have no IQ. And so, you know, you got to strip emotions from the situation. And the best way to do that is to follow a disciplined process to try to gain perspective. So those are some of the nuggets that I did. But more importantly, I mean, if my kids were honest, they probably read it, read it once or twice. But it's something they have. But mm -hmm. the best work was done between my ears because it changed me as a dad. Being a dad of teenagers and the kids is different than being a dad of adults mm. and being able to transition my role and responsibility. I've seen others struggle with that and it created a fractured relationship with the, with the kids. And my goal with doing this is to have the phone ring and say, Hey dad, I'm working on this. What do you think? Having that relationship, I think is largely hinged on how I approach that relationship as a dad. This is really good stuff. And, uh, you know, you're laying it out in a way that anyone listening could do. All of us can get the shutterfly and all of us have an iPhone full of pictures. And, uh, you know, so there's, there's a way to do that. I've never heard anyone say it quite like you did a minute ago, but emotions have no IQ. And um, I, when, when I use this in the future, Rob, I am going to give you credit for it, but, but I promise oh. you I'm going to use that. 
because that's a really, really good statement because that's what gets us in trouble when we get oh. in the middle of life. And suddenly we're driven by our emotions instead of having a transformed mind. That's half the problem with society today. People are thinking with emotion and not with common sense. Probably the biggest uh, challenges you have in your marriage relationship is when you allow emotions to drive the conversation and not what you know is the fundamental truth of your relationship. And so it's a good, it's a good framework to keep reminded of. Rob, you mentioned it earlier. You've been involved in uh, telecommunications. Now you're doing commercial real estate. You know, from the world's perspective, you've been very successful running some big companies and lots of employees. How did CSU prepare you for your career? It's a great question because if you looked at some of the things that, that we've been blessed with and you look at what my degree was in, you would say, I'm not sure how they, how they correlate. But at the end of the day, I think it's all about building relationships, reading people, understanding what the core issues you're dealing with. One of my core strengths is I'm a very good problem solver. Some of those skills were expanded when I was at CSU. I think building roots in my life through the teaching that I had by guys like Jim and Dr. Emmert and, and others, Dr. Carter, he, uh, he was pretty special. I remember going to New York City on a field trip with him. He was, he was a very wise guy. He was, he was also a lot of fun. The, the time that he put into being a history teacher outside of class, I mean, with, with all of us, you know, create a lot of those memories. And, you know, when, I don't know about you, when I talk to our alumni, well, let me put it this way. I doubt that I could give you a test over anything that I might have taught you and have you get a 100% on it. But some of the relational stuff has stuck on through the years. You know, mm -hmm. it's like that with people like Chuck Emmert and Dr. Carter and, and all those. Um, it's always been a place where lives touched lives and uh, it made a difference. Yeah, it, it was a special uh, place in my life. And my wife and I have often said we'd like to get back for one of those alumni get-togethers, but uh, they always seem to fall during football season, which that was one of the busy times in our life. So now that things have slowed down a little bit, we might be able to make one of those events. That would be fun. We have any of those coming up, Paul? Glad you brought that up, Jim. October 1st and 2nd, our alumni day on Friday, uh, October 1st, followed by homecoming, October 2nd. We love to have the saucers and anyone else list return to campus for that special time. In closing, Rob, you're transitioning. You know, you talked about chapters earlier. You're, you're ending one chapter in California. You, you're there almost 20 years. Now you're moving, in a sense, back to Oklahoma. And what do you see you and Michelle doing in this new chapter with your kids and more importantly, grandkids in your career? That's a great question and one that is still contemplated. I do plan on continuing. I've been very blessed in my commercial real estate business. We've facilitated in excess of a billion dollars in transactions since early 2000s. And so I'm transitioning to hopefully continue to service my clients in the West Coast through a team that I'm assembling here that I can trans, you know, I can come back and forth, invest in my, my grandkids. I mean, it's going to be fun. They're at a fun age to uh, go to their, their sporting events and things of that nature. We may do a little bit of travel. We've thought about uh, looking to potentially acquire a business in the Tulsa area. We lived there in the 90s when I was in the telecom industry. 
And so we have some good friends back there that we'll rekindle friendships with. And uh, the door is still opening. <laughs> we haven't fully walked through yet. We move on the 23rd of September. So as we get relocated, the path is going to become more clear. We know that's where we're going to be. I wish I had more defined answers for you, but that's about as good as I have right now. Yeah, Abraham had undefined answers like that and things worked out okay for him. Yeah, it's been amazing. You know, there's times in your life when you look at those chapters changing and some of them are very visible and some are, are not very visible. This one was like a Cinemax screen blasting in our face because how everything came together smoothly all within weeks. And it was really an interesting affirmation to the tough decision that it was. You know, we built our dream home here in California. It's interesting to look at the dynamics going on in our state and the timing of this exit we are beginning to wonder if maybe it's for God's protection in our lives for what we're seeing going on politically within our state. It's really interesting. The state of California has changed so much since we moved here in the early 2000s. You know, we're trying to figure out why God has moved us so quickly because literally this thing came out of left field from us. But at the end of the day, it's interesting how our hearts have changed towards the move. We're actually excited about it. We're enthused. And it's not something that we were thinking about six months ago. So it's uh, pretty cool how that works. Well, Rob, thank you so much. It's great hearing your story and how God kind of used you and your journey. And we wish you all the best, you and Michelle, as you head back east to uh, Oklahoma. Jim, any last comments? Well, I'm glad you're moving closer. We can use that as an excuse to get you out here. And I'd love for you to share that story with our students. In many ways, they're different, but in some ways, they haven't changed. They love the Lord Jesus. They want to follow him. But, you know, for them, the future is dark. Uh, one of the differences is, is there's a lot more well, fear for the future that's been built into them and fear of their surroundings. And to have some people come in and say, you know, God walked me through this. I mean, that, that's your testimony, but it encourages our alumni and friends who listen to this, but it also may be an encouragement to our students. So thanks so much for coming along to do this. Uh, anything else, Paul? That's it. Hey, just want to thank you, Rob, for sharing and uh, God bless on your transition to Oklahoma. Well, thank you very much for inviting me to join you guys this morning. It's been a pleasure. 